So as Colin said, I'm Victoria. <laughs> and I've been a gateway now for just almost five years now. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to be here and just to share what God has laid on my heart and to talk about um, Naomi, actually. You know, we've been looking at the book of Ruth. But I just want to focus on Naomi this morning. And last week, it was such... A good setup for myself, I'd say, because, you know, you had the whole reading, so you know the full story today. And most of you who weren't here, and even if you were here and missed some of it, at the end, Colin encouraged you all to go and read the full story. So I'm going to be hopping and skipping and jumping through the book. And today, as I talk a little bit about um, Naomi, I just want to focus, basically, in that story, you know, for me, actually, as I read that story, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I don't know if you've actually had some of those. I read the book and I'm like, what, why, I don't understand. But there's a lot of unanswered questions in that book. But one thing for me that was very, very clear is that how God shows his sovereignty in the midst of our sorrow and in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our lust. And I just want you to journey with me as I talk about Naomi today. And as we move on, I want to ask you all this question. And, you know, what do we do in situations when God chooses not to move our mountain or to tear down our Goliath or he doesn't answer the prayers you prayed for or he does not give you the desires of, the heart, of your heart that you so wish for or he doesn't give you that miracle? What do we do? Here's an example of things that Naomi did. My first point, he said, time to go home. In verse 6, he said, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. I look at Naomi's life and I thought, actually, she did a lot of soul searching. She evaluates her position and she realized, actually, I'm in a place where I'm so far away from home. Amongst the people that is not truly my people. They are basically strangers. I'm amongst foreigners. We don't even serve or honor or pray to the same God. And then she realized, actually, the name I actually have, the husband I have, I don't have those anymore. I have no husband. I have no sons. So basically, what am I doing here? So she sets off and she packs her bag and she makes a decision, time to go home. And she sets out with her two daughters but on that journey, I don't think it was out of selfishness. She said to them, actually, don't come with me. Go back to your family. Go back to your house. Go back to your father. I don't think she was selfish, but I think she was being very considerate. Because she knows in the country that she's going to, they will not be received. They are more white women. And also, they'll have no support. They will have no provision, no protection. But she encourages them, you know, if you stay here amongst your own people, amongst your own nation, perhaps you might find another husband who will come and perhaps marry you, give you that safety, give you that provision and give you that protection. So straight away, what she does, may the Lord show you kindness. She blesses them. May the Lord grant that each of you will rest in the home of another husband. And that's something that we can imitate when someone goes away from us. We don't need to feel bad or complain. Send them on with a blessing. 
May the Lord open doors. May the, you know, may the Lord just be with them in their situation and in their circumstances. It's hard times. But they cry and they weep together. But in the midst of that, I'm sure Naomi was like, Hello, I'm the one with the issue. In verse 13, he said, It is more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Have you ever been in situations or situation where you just felt like, wow, what is going on, God? This is the time I prayed and I fast, I trusted you, I cling to you, I hold to you, but it just feels like it's just falling apart. What is going on? Sometimes some of it is our own actions and our own doing, but other times it's just totally out of our control. And you're like, God, where are you in this situation? Why? Our story spoke about a 10-year period that drastically changes Naomi's life. She has lost pretty much everything. And she was not hiding it. She was not pretending. You know, she's not like one of those persons when you said, how are you? You go, I'm fine. She was broken. She was hurting. She was crushed. She was not hiding it or pretending. It was just way out there. The Lord has turned against me. I look at my own life. I look at a 10-year period in my own life. And I'm thinking... What can I learn from this? How, how can I relate to Naomi? In 1997, I got married to a man. January is my birthday. I won't forget. Before the end of 1997, in November, I was in police custody, running, fleeing for my own life. At the same time, my mom was ill, and she died from breast cancer. So I had two situations I was dealing with. And once that was over... I moved to Cardiff University and thought, okay, let's start again. I'll go and do a degree. Let me make something of my life. So in 2001, I take the move. In 2003, I decide, okay, God, I'm doing it your way now. I decide I will get married again. At that too, I was on my knees fighting God, fighting for my husband because my husband has relapsed in drugs. And I'm like, God, what is going on? In 2005, right at the peak of my final exam, I got the news from Jamaica. My dad died from cancer. A month later, as I differed my exam to see if I can regroup my thoughts, I got the news my grandfather died. It's like all the men in my life was just under attack, attack, attack. I'm like, God, where are you? Many of us can relate to that. Many situations like that. Maybe not so drastic as my situation or perhaps Naomi's situation where we actually struggle with the anger, with the hurt, with the pain, sometimes the guilt, sometimes the shame, sometimes the resentment in your heart, and you just struggle to find answers. The book of Job gives us a similar picture, where Job received news. All your sons are dead. All your livestock, all your children. One thing after the other. And you can read about that story in Job chapter 1 and in Job chapter... The whole book, basically, will give you a clear picture. Real suffering, real struggles, real pain. 
You know, I read this quote by um, Vince Lombardi, and he said, you don't really know the true measure of a man or a woman until he or she faces challenges and what he or she does with it. We can clearly see Job, like Naomi, has faced many challenges. And many of you, if you internalize and examine your own heart and your own life, you probably can relate to some of these things. But here's Job's response. The Lord gave and the Lord take away. May his name be praised. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. So how do we respond? How do we, as brothers and sisters, as children of the living God, how do we respond? Do we run away? Or do we respond like Naomi? Do we turn to God? You see, Naomi heard in Moab that God, the same God of her ancestors, who has always provided, who has always come to their rescue, is the same God today who is still providing and has provided So she makes a decision, time to go home. So she makes that journey back home. And as we read on in our story, he said, Opa, she kissed her, she remained. Some of us at times, we make that decision, we choose to stay where we are. But here is Ruth's response. She said, where you go? In verse 16 and 17, he said, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. And this brings me to my next point. Who are we committed to? And what does our lives, what does it say about us? You know, Ruth's commitment is a very deep, long life commitment She was not just willing to say, I'm coming with you for the journey. I'm coming with you for the ride. She was sold out. She was committed. She was surrendered. She was giving her all. There was no mention anywhere in the text that she had a fate or that she had any conviction or that she even had a relationship with God, with Naomi's God. But here, right in this moment, right at this junction, she's choosing to set aside her old identity, her old ways, And she said, no, Naomi, I choose you. I choose your God and I choose your people. And we ask ourselves, why? Why did she make? What caused her to make such a commitment? And this is not lip service. This is a very deep, a profound commitment. What is it that caused her to make that commitment? I want to say it's out of love for her mother-in-law. I don't believe that. It's just simply out of love. You know, Joyce Meyer, in one of her sermons, she said, all of us are preachers. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Colin. But she said, it's our lives that should be doing the talking. And we should use words only when it's necessary. Let our attitudes and our actions do the preaching. What is our life saying? I believe Naomi's life must have impacted root. Suffering breeds character. Character breeds strength, and strength breeds hope. So Ruth, when she looked at Naomi, she must have seen hope in her eyes. She must have even heard it in her voice. Naomi, in her suffering, she must have shown 
great faith and great courage that actually my life is hard, my life is bitter, my life is challenging, and the hand of God might have turned against me. But in the midst of all that, this is the same God that she wants to make that mile-long journey back from Moab to Bethlehem. And it's not just down the road. It's not a bus ride. It's a very long journey. And that's the journey she wants to make back to because she wants to be with her God and she wants to be with her own people. Naomi might have also spoken about God's love, about his faithfulness, about his provision and about his protection. Perhaps she might even share some of those covenant promises. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified for the Lord your God. He goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This God is not like the gods that we encounter in this world. It's not some of, like some of the individuals that we see who judges us and criticizes us because of our past life, because of the color of our skin, because of our age, because of our height. This is not that God. This is a God that includes all, and this is a God that loves all. This is the God, I believe, that Ruth was ready and willing to be sold at and surrendered to. Naomi said in, in, in Deuteronomy 10, verse 17 and 18, it said, this is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. He shows no partiality. He accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigners residing amongst you, giving them food and clothing. I believe that this is the God that Ruth was willing to give her all to. A God that loves everyone. A God that includes everyone. You know, Romans 8, verse 38 says, Nothing will separate us from God's love. How committed and how surrendered are we to that love today? You know, when I was a child growing up in Jamaica, my father used to go away and, um, not just my father, quite a few of the men in the village actually, and farming contracts to work in Canada for six months every year. You know, as children, we'll be excited when they come back because we just want to see what's in the bags. <laughs> you know, one year my dad arrives, sadness in his eyes, broken, disappointed, in busy Kingston Airport. On his way back, all his bags were stolen. Which brings him to my third point, the arrival. You see, Naomi had made the decision to journey back. And when she arrived in Bethlehem, the villagers or the community were excited. Wow, is that not Naomi? Is that not Naomi? And instead, you say, she, uh, instead she should say, hi, I am Naomi. She was like a mouthful. If you look at verse 20 and 21, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Naomi is reliving her pain. She is broken. She is bitter. And she is blaming God. But in the midst of it all, if you look deeply in these two verses, in the midst of it all, 
She uses two names that signify two characteristics of God. She said, the Almighty. In Hebrew, El Shaddai. The covenant name that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 17, verse 1 and 2. A name that signifies he is the creator of all things and the maintainer of the universe. The strong, the unchanging God who initiates a covenant with his people. Job, in Job chapter 27, he also used that same word. The Almighty. Secondly, she said, I went away full, but the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh. This is the sacred personal name of Israel God. It appears 6,800 times in the Old Testament. This also is the covenant name that was given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. It is associated with God's redeeming act in the history of his chosen people. Israel from slavery into a land of freedom. Naomi recognized that he is the same God then. He is the same God now. The one that draws us, the one that rescues us, the one that redeems us and saves us from sin and slavery. So even though Naomi was bitter, even though she was in pain, she recognizes that the best place to be was in his presence amongst his people just to be at home. Are we home? Home can be a physical place and also a place of the heart. Where is our heart today? You know, in Isaiah 29 verse 13, he said, These people come near to me and their mouth honor me and their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I believe that's not true from us today, that we draw near with a sincere heart to a God who loves us and a God who rescues and a God who saves us. We don't do lip service. We worship a true and a living God, a God who loves us and a God who redeems us. And as I think about just one final bit to draw from this, these two verses, You know, Naomi was saying, I came back and I'm empty. And you think, but actually Ruth was with you. The whole journey, she was with you. What about Ruth? And so many times, you know, as Christians, we can be so blinkered. We can be so consumed by our own little world, our own anguish, our own disappointment, our own suffering, our own pain. And we miss out on the blessing, on the things that God has put right in front of us, or the people that God has placed in our lives to equip and to encourage and to challenge us. I believe that's not true for us. That we've seen a bigger picture. That in every situation that God is with us, that he makes that journey with us, and he's in our everyday individual life. Not just some situation, but every situation. And we are privileged to know the full story because we know that Ruth was a noble woman. That she was a sold out, surrendered woman who loves God and she loves her mother-in-law. And she was not fazed by what anybody else think about her. You know, in chapter 4, 
is that she was even better than seven sons. And yet Ruth was saying, Naomi was saying, I'm empty. How so? But this is what we like sometimes. But what can we learn from this story? What can we learn from these women's journey? What can we learn from their story? I believe we need to be more faithful. We need to be more courageous. We need women and men more like Ruth who will boldly declare that no matter what, I will faithfully cling to God. I am surrendered to his will. I am surrendered to his purpose, to his leading. And when God chooses not to give you that miracle, that position, that vacancy, that job, that blessing that you so desire, I pray we have the faith like Naomi and the courage to recognize that God's hand is in it and he's working on it and he's working it out and nothing catches him by surprise. You know, Jeremiah 29 verse 11 said, For I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, plans to give you future, plans to give you a hope. That is the God we serve. In Romans 8, 28, he says, in all things, not just some, even when I mess it up, even when I make the wrong choices, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All we need to do is to cling. All we need to do is to trust him, read his word, recall his promises. Remember, he's a God that loves us. He's a God that cares for us. He's a God that redeems us. In 1 Peter 2 verse 9, he said, But we, you, me, we are all his chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you, that I may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are called to be God's special position and to be about a part of his great plan. Are we able to stand in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our disappointment and say, God, I know you can, but even if you don't, I will serve you. I will surrender. I will cling. I will trust and I will follow you. It's not easy, but it's possible. We've read about it. And my life is a testimony that God, it doesn't matter what, I will cling. I will trust you because my hope is in you. I think about the story of Daniel. In, in Daniel chapter 3, sorry, verse 17, you know, the three Hebrews boys, they took a stance for God. They said, King, oh King, the God we serve is able to deliver us. But if our God does not rescue us, we still will not bow down. If our God, can you say in your heart today, God, if you do not give me this job, God, if you do not give me this position, God, if you do not answer this prayer, if you choose not to heal me, if you choose to leave me right where I am, I will still cling. I will still hope. I will still love you. How committed are we? This is not any God. This is Yahweh. This is the great almighty. This is the alpha. This is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the ending. He is the first. He is the last. He is the God of possibility. There is nothing that is too hard or too difficult for him. He can do more than we ask, more than we can imagine, more than we can dream. He is our God. He is your God. He is your king. He is your savior. He is my savior. He is my friend. 
He's my comforter. He is my healer. He is my God who makes the way out of nowhere. In my weakness, he is my strength. In my sickness, he is my healer. In my brokenness, he is my mender. In my blindness, he is my vision. In my bondage, he is the God that brings freedom into my life. In my darkness, he is my light. Oh, in my searching, he has been my answer. What about you today? God is the answer. You know, Naomi and Ruth, in their journey, they arrived back in Bethlehem. At the time, at the peak, at the season of the barley harvest, there's no coincidence. That is no coincidence. That is how our God works. He does not want us to just exist. He wants us to flourish. And today, he wants to bring you He wants to bring all of us. He wants to bring me into new beginnings, into a new relationship with him, a relationship of fullness, a relationship of grace, a relationship where we can trust him and say, God, you are my all in all. Holy Father God, I thank you today that you are my all in all. As we stand to our feet, Oh, halabashanta. Oh, karabasata lasata hakarabashanta. Oh, as I invite Colin to come. Ah, can we truly say that God is our all in all? Today, God, I have chosen you as my all in all. And anyone today who hasn't chosen God as your all in all, feel that freedom to come to the front. There's somebody here who's willing to pray with you, to encourage you, and said, come and make God your all in all. This is not a God who excludes. This is a God who includes. It's not about your age. It's not about your education. It's not about your house or your car or the wealth or the look or the color of your skin or the size. This is a God who loves all, and this is the God we serve. Thank you, God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be blessed. Thank you.